Hi, welcome to episode 22 of The Teacher's Promise, part two of Compassionate Coaching. I'm your host, Brett Hansen, and I'm happy to help celebrate, inspire, and nurture educators around the world by sharing the amazing stories of extraordinary teachers and coaches. This episode is not just for coaches. There's a lot to learn for other educators as well. This week, we'll finish our discussion on compassionate coaching. In part one, Mark Jonas, Dylan Zaleski, Mike Brunel, and Dylan Schuster and I discuss their path to coaching, some of their advice for coaches and teachers, and why they became coaches and many of the advantages of coaching. This week, we'll explore the crux of the matter, how to become both a great and compassionate coach, starting with their mentors, turning to the actual process they use, and finishing with some resources, books, and programs to help other coaches implement compassion into their programs and improve the future of coaching. Please help me spread this important message about compassionate coaching to as many educators and coaches as possible. You never know who might know a young coach who wants to bring more kindness into the profession of coaching but needs a little assistance or a mentor, a role model, or some resources. So let's jump right back into our discussion with Mark, Dylan, Mike, and Dylan, and hear some more about how to become compassionate coaches. So, Mike, if you don't mind, would you like to get us going on um, some of these wonderful coaches that you guys have known? Could you tell us a little bit about the kindest, most positive coach you've ever had? Well, uh, present company excluded. I, I, Coach <laughs> Jonas is a, a pretty kind uh, coach that uh, I've coached with, um, and, and I know that uh, you know he's he's uh, done some things with some kids and and uh, you know things that um, people don't see uh, other than in in you know at the practice and uh, you know just sometimes uh, makes your heart feel strong. Um, but I, I've coached with some other coaches too. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember Ken Rutgers. He used to coach, uh, well, I actually played for the Green Bay Packers and I coached with him at West De Pere. Um, he was one of those guys that he didn't say much, but when he said something, it just, you felt it through your whole being. Um, and he talked about, uh, you know, sacrificing for your brother and, and those kind of things and, and um, being a better person and, you know, asking questions like, why are we here? We're here to help everybody else, you know, that, that sort of thing. And um, let's see who, who else. Uh, oh, Ken Bowman. He was kind of old school. He was Packer center during the glory years. I coached with him. Um, as mean and ornery as you thought those old Packer players were, um, Ken was actually a lawyer and he, um, he, he did a lot of things with the kids as well, spent some time with, uh, punters, believe it or not. And, and, um, they, they took a lot of special time with the kids and, yeah. you know, it's stuff like that, that you see that kind of rubs off on you and, um, going to make you a more successful coach. That's great. Yeah. What about somebody with a, a coach when you were a player? So maybe Dylan or coach Z. Yeah. Um, 
the first answer that comes to my head is Coach Rob Stoltz. Uh, he was my high school coach all four years. I think he had been coaching for 20 years before he retired uh, back in 2020. Um, he's an awesome guy. He teaches at Greendale High School, and I knew him since I was a really little kid just from kind of being in the Greendale program because of my dad. Um, and he, he was someone that you can, you can tell almost instantly upon meeting him is just he cares about you he cares about everyone he works with um he made a lot of connections with players myself especially um and was able to create those relationships while also being a great coach being extremely knowledgeable putting in more work than just about anyone else in our facility um the, the way he approached the game and and approached the players that he worked with was something that i had never seen before um just the passion for it both coming to workouts with us um being there early for practice staying there late he's just a really all-around great guy and was someone that was really awesome for me and other players to have during our time in high school you know i've been lucky i had coach uh, brad gruby who's now principal um i played for cal takis who's a wfca hall of famer just like coach jonas and um there's one particular moment that to me um sticks out it was was my must have been my sophomore year we a buddy of mine and i did not play very well we actually lost a game Uh, we didn't lose like the game but everybody lost the game we didn't play very well and uh that following monday i guess i can talk about this now we actually did and i'm not making this up 103 up downs Uh, this is like 10 (laughs) years ago um coach jonas probably remembers those days um we did 250 one day (laughs) there you go um and so we do this and he was the whole you know you know, you can quit if you want. You can quit if you want. And me and this uh, buddy of mine, we did not quit. A few other kids did. Um, and whatever. So we called the practice. And he talked with – it was really interesting. So he calls us over after this, you know, and we're dog tired. We're walking over there. And he sits us down. And he just goes, honestly, for about 30 minutes talking to us about, you know, so what do you guys think about this class? What do you guys think about, you know, you know whatever, homecoming or prom? And he goes on – talking for like 30 to 45 minutes about life and just about like what kind of men do you guys want to be and it tied directly to the game but he never mentioned that and it was just like the most profound moment because I was like we go from being punished basically to you talking to us about life because he knew that him my buddy and I were we did not play very well and we had the potential to be better and so by him talking to us about life and about being better men it kind of without saying it made that connection in our minds um so i just always remembered that i'll uh, i'll throw i'm gonna go even further back than these guys i'm going to a guy that i had as a baseball coach in uh little league and babe ruth um mr quinonis he was a cuban refugee um or defector i should say came to this country um spoke spoke English, but his, his Cuban English. And it was awesome because he loved baseball and he, um, he always said something that, um, I have repeated as a baseball coach a million times. And he always would yell at us to use two hands and throw to second base and <laughs> always, always yelled that. And we always, always laughed. And he was just one of the greatest, greatest dudes um for a coach that a young kid could ever have because he had instant credibility because he was on a cuban national team before he came to the u.s and he just cool cool guy 
Yeah, it sounds like a cool guy and an entertaining one, which could break up some of the monotony. Oh, yeah, yeah. that he did. So um, these wonderful coaches that you guys have described, some of them recently, some of them a long time ago, many things have changed. What does it take today to be a good mentor? How, how does one learn to be a good mentor? Because whether we were coaching or teaching or, you know, walking a kid to class who's having a rough time, we're all mentors. Um, and if we care about people and young people, we're going to mentor them. What do you think it takes to become a good mentor and how does one learn that? It's a great question. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'll lead it off here. I, I think I learned from, in my opinion, one of the best I learned from my dad. So I'll probably start crying. So thanks very much for making me cry. My uh, pleasure. Hey, if you can share the love, we can share uh, the tears. He he was a longtime coach, and he was really very very good coach. Um, and I I learned a whole boatload from him. But I've also, like Mike has mentioned a couple of times, um, and both Dylans, I've been surrounded by a ton of very good people. And I think, you know, when you're around them and, and as an older coach, Mike and I probably have a different perspective than the two Dylans. Um, how do I be a good mentor? Well, right now I'm a mentor with Coach Z and and the best thing I can do is answer his questions when he has questions and I, I have to let him fail a little bit. I can't just tell him what I think he should do all the time because he's got to do his thing his way. And um, the more that, that as a older coach, uh, my job is to get him ready to be a head coach someday because he can be and he has to have that belief. And the more I trust him and listen to his ideas, the more he's going to be able to to really think for himself on the field and make adjustments when they need to be made. And he doesn't have to come to me to make those adjustments. He just needs to do it. Um, I think Mike Brimwall can 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 attest to this. I don't try to overcoach my own coaches. They've got to, they, that's why you hire good people. And so I, I want them to do their coaching. Um, and if they have questions, then I'll, I'll throw in my two cents. But other than that, they, they need to do it. Yeah. yeah. Good advice. I, um, I go right just to come right off of his answer. Actually, I think one of the things I wanted to talk about is constantly asking coach Jonas questions. Yeah, that is something I definitely do. <laughs> um, <laughs> collaborating and asking coaches questions is kind of how you survive early on. Uh, I was coaching varsity early. And so, you know, my buddy, Andy Colstead, he coaches down in the Southern part of the state. Um, Kyle Muleman's he's a defensive coordinator, Wrights town. Obviously my coaches that I played for, I think if you want to get better at this thing, you got to be reaching out and connecting with people. Cause the cool thing about coaching and particularly coaching football, it, it is like a fraternity and in the off season. Anyway, these guys want to share their ideas and bounce ideas off of each other. So it, I think it's your job to reach out to other mentors that have done well and try to get, you know, some of what they do that is successful to use and mold into your style. Mike, you want to add anything? I just think uh, uh, to be to be a good mentor, you, you got to just demonstrate um, all of the um, attributes that that winners have. Um, I, I tell the kids, if you want to be a winner, you got to hang around with the winner. You got to do the the things that winners do. You you know, um, and as a coach, you kind of 
have to help them along that path, right? So some of them you can tell who they're hanging around with and and maybe make some suggestions on you know what what they can do to to help themselves and be better to make themselves more of a winner. Um, I guess I never really thought of myself as as being a mentor, but um, uh, oh yes, you are in a huge <laughs> way. Yeah, I, I I know, but but I more or less just you know try to develop a relationship with the kids as much as I can. And what's meant, been uh, mentioned here before is, you know, be honest with the kids. Uh, I'm really honest with the kids on what's going on in my life. Um, sometimes a little, probably too much, but um, they, they understand that, you know, they all know that, you know, we're all humans and we all go through troubled times. And I'm honest with the kids about that. And uh, hopefully that, that, um, uh, you know, lets them know that they can be honest with me and it, it reinforces the relationship that we build. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to toot Mike's horn here because he's not doing it. This is a great question for him because not, uh, you know, Mike mentioned something about doing stuff behind the scenes that not, not very many people see. Mike and Sue have taken kids into their home and literally mentored, parented, taking care of kids who had nowhere else to go. And he, he deserves an unbelievable pat on the back for, for some of the things that he and his wife have done. That's incredible. Yeah. Good job, Mike. Thanks. Thanks coach. Yeah. Dylan, you want to add anything? I don't have much as far as what I know, but I think one of the more helpful things that I've experienced over time from various coaches, uh, and I don't think anyone talked about it yet, was having high but realistic expectations for their players. Um, for me, I'm someone who, as an athlete, holds myself to a really high standard, um, sometimes to a detrimental amount. But Coach Stoltz, uh, even Coach McCarty more recently, did a really good job of kind of figuring out where where that line was, like where my potential was, and pushing me to get there both through practice and even through in-game experience. Like giving me a chance, sometimes failing, but you know, that's how you're gonna learn, just progressive failure. Um I think for me that's been one of the biggest things that's helped me to get where I am right now. Uh, just setting me up for success, but also sometimes failure and learning from that and then allowing me to kind of figure out for myself what I'm able to do, and that way I can still push myself to reach that goal um, and eventually find success. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's a wonderful um, series of suggestions that you got to let people fail, you got to be honest with them, you got to develop those relationships, and then set high but attainable goals. I think those are some great suggestions for how um, someone can develop mentorship. So. What about any resources or books, any recent things you've read that you think would help, particularly in regards to the sort of new philosophy of coaching of, you know, more relationships, more kindness, more compassion, um, a little less about uh, ego and a little bit more about, um, you know, connections. Anybody have any suggestions? Z, Z, why don't you take the start on this one? Yeah, I mean, you know, Dr. Jerry Lynch is a guy that writes a, a numerous amount of of books that all deal with this topic going all the way back to the late eighties, early nineties. He's kind of a, 
if you were a fan of the Chicago Bulls in the 90s, he's it's kind of like that story as told by Dr. Jerry Lynch. He spoke to the Bulls during that time. He was a collaborator with Phil Jackson, the head coach at the time. Recently, he's got a book that came out, um, I think it was The Competitive Buddha, Competitive Sports Buddha. I read it um, before the season started, and I passed it around to some of the coaches on the staff, and it's great. I mean, it's it's not it doesn't have anything to do with, like, theology or anything like that. But the two skill, the two things that I took from that book were really about like what impermanence means and what selflessness means. Uh, impermanence, impermanence meaning like good thing, what rises will fall and what falls will rise. And just for me as a coach, that does a tremendous amount for your mental health. When things are going bad, whether it be middle of a practice, you know, could be a whole season some years. Remember that what falls will rise, and just having faith in that. Uh, also, you know, what rises will fall. So don't let your guard down at all. That was probably that word in particular. I remember repeating a lot to myself this season. Uh, and then selflessness too, obviously. I mean, giving the most you can give to the kids is really what it's about. It's it's a cool book. So if you, if you get a chance, you know, to take a look at that book, it, it's great. Um, I'm going to add a couple to Dylan's. Um, it's any, almost anything by Simon Sinek is is awesome. He's a really good author. Um, there's a book that uh, one of my coaches, uh, Brian Morgan, he his son is in the NFL right now. He made all of his quarterbacks read a book called Chop Wood, Carry Water. Um, really good book, uh, which I have in my office. So if somebody needs it, they can get it. And also recently I went to a, a clinic. Uh, by Joe Ehrman, a former NFL player, and uh, they are doing an initiative called Inside Out Coaching. And it's also on Twitter under ISO Initiative. And it's it definitely deals with the why. Why do we lead? Uh, how do we lead? What's our purpose here? Um, they used a term that I thought was fabulous. It's called terminal experience. Like 97% of kids are going to experience a terminal experience. They're not going to play in college. And there's only 3% that basically do move on. So what what experience can we give that 97%? It better be a good one so that they have great memories. Yeah, I've seen uh, athletes that when they finish up and with football, they'll, well, I haven't seen it, but I've, they've written about it um, where it was a – an unbelievably traumatic experience when they play their last football game or basketball game or something. Uh, I do a project where students write, I believe, essay um, and other things throughout the year. And the athletes will often write about how incredibly hard it was when they played their last game of their favorite sport. It's powerful. Good. These are some great resources. We will um, get these in the show notes. Uh, um, Well, we'll get some links in there and, um, and then also, so if you want to just check that quickly, uh, for young people becoming coaches, these are, are some great resources. Um, I always ask the guests, and if you're not obliged, if you don't want to, but I, I love sharing funny stories. Um, and so uh, can you guys share any of your funny moments, your funny stories um, in coaching? Anything at all that's not going to be too traumatic for the students? <laughs> sure, I, I, I can uh, share one real quick. Great. Every year, uh, I started out with just the defensive linemen of the teams that I coach, but it kind of expanded because a lot of kids wanted to participate. But we always went paintballing. We we had a, a date that we'd take take everybody out and and they'd go paintballing. And uh, a couple of years ago, 
one of the kids uh, nailed me right in the um, the private area, and I went down to my <laughs> knees, and uh, that 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 whole group just started laughing at the time, and I I wasn't laughing, but <laughs> now it's but, funny. Now yeah, it's now funny. it's funny. Yeah, now it's funny. But at, at the time, uh, the kids really got a kick out of it, and they they talked about it for quite a while. And, yeah, and that brings new meaning to take one for the team. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> That was that was an odd thing that happened to me. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, I mean, uh, this isn't really that eventful, but it was my first year coaching. So maybe that's why it sticks in my head. Uh, never saw a seagull in my life until I moved here. I'm from the middle of the state where there's no water anywhere, really, so <laughs> no seagulls. Walk out to practice. I'm actually a D-line coach, I think, at the time, and um, – Kid is literally in his three-point stance as a seagull is going over and poops on the kid as he's in his three-point <laughs> stance. Um, it was really just gross more than anything, but, I mean, it was funny. So, yeah, and I remember that particular kid, he was – maybe this is why it's funny. He was so focused on the drill, he didn't even move. He just st- stayed in his stance and kept going. I was like, you can go wash that off quick. You don't have to, you don't have to stay in your stance anymore. I don't have one from coaching, but uh, from playing, this was actually this past year during our uh, fall camp right before the season started. Uh, for our practices, we have these walkthroughs every night, and we split up offense and defense, and right at the end of practice, you know, we break it down at the same time but the timer goes off, and offense broke it down kind of loud, and then defense broke it down a little bit louder, and we just kind of kept like yelling at each other back and forth, and eventually kind of just met at midfield, and made a huge circle and i don't know what happened but it just turned into this big like dance off and we'd send guys in one from offense one from defense (laughs) and it was just a huge like flash mob almost super awesome like five minutes of just randomness and it was a really good time super spontaneous i still don't really know how it happened um but it was really cool to watch be a part of and it's going to stick with me for quite a while. That's we good. Had a, we had Did a side win? we coached Jonas. Oh, you know what? There are so many. <laughs> it, it's so hard when I saw this question about funny moments. There are so many. It's so difficult. Yeah. I'll give you two. and but One of them will go off a, a little bit of Coach Z's. But um, one time when I was at Hilbert, our, we were in half pads for the day because it was a Thursday before a game in our center. I don't know what he was thinking. The, the shorts that he was wearing um, – had a ginormous hole in the back. Um, and at the time, people still wore jock straps. They didn't wear <laughs> boxers. So the quarterback literally came over to us and said, I'm not taking another snap. And we didn't understand why. And he goes, look, every time he goes down into a stance, I am not doing that. And we were dying. We were all laughing. And then um, also, when I was at Hilbert, we played Freedom all the time, and one of their their head coach, Bob Schultz, is a good friend of mine, and we used to play golf a lot during the summers. I mean, we were a pretty tight group in the Olympian back in the day, and um, there was one game. I don't know what the score was. We were beating them, uh, but it was competitive, and we looked over, and the whole coaching staff was kind of standing in the same spot, and you see him standing there looking at us during the middle of the game, flipping us the bird. and we had no idea what he was doing, but he was just laughing, and we started laughing as well. It just was so funny. Um, I don't know. There there are great moments, and those are the ones you just soak in all the time. Yeah, good stuff. 
So what's new in coaching, in the world of coaching, uh, in, in teaching other people to coach? Um, you know, so Mark mentioned his conference he went to yesterday. What, what else is going on that's new? What's different? What, what, what can people expect to change in the, in the next you know, 10, 20 years? Well, I think Mike Bremwell's got this one nailed. Mike? Yeah, definitely think that the, the technology is changing and, and advancing at a, a record pace. I mean, we've got, you know, initially maybe, what was it, Mark, 10, seven years ago, Huddle was a big thing and came out and say, like, oh, boy, we can, you know, exchange film real quick and, and go over the plays and videotape practice. And, you know, and then a couple of years later, uh, hey, you know, these drones are pretty exciting. Why don't we use those in practice so we can film overhead? So now we got drones. Um, now they're looking at, uh, other applications like huddle will, uh, have a camera on your field. So you don't have to supply a camera person to record the, the game follows the ball and the plays it's, it's just getting crazy. And, you know, the bringing on of the iPads on the sidelines, um, matter of fact, I, I built a, a TV on a cart that ran off of, uh, uh, some batteries and uh, we used it for huddle for a few games. We called it uh, Jag Vision, Jaguar Vision for Eshwabanon, but uh, I don't know how long that lasted. But um, yeah, the technology is just going crazy. You know, people are watching uh, simulcast games at, at home now versus going out to, to the game itself. But um, I think um, this year we got a electronic side marker that lights up at night, so you can see third down, first down, all brightly lit. It's just advancing crazy. You know, if you're a younger coach and you you like technology, jump in. <laughs> it's there for you. Yeah, that's I mean, great. it's changed since I played, and that wasn't that long ago. Uh, I played, well, I guess nine, almost ten years ago. And it's changed even since then. That was right around the the transition from the old school to the new school way of film. So, yeah. And and I think, you know, I, I was going to say the X's and O's, but then the more you learn about it and the more you learn about the history of it, a lot of this stuff is just recycled. Um, so I guess I would, I would agree with the technology. Yeah. Well, hopefully one of the other things that's changed is the um, ability for men to say that they love uh, their students, their coach, their players, uh, to be able to use words like compassion to talk about, um, you know, things like the competitive Buddha and um, selflessness and, and mainly just putting them first, that winning is not as important as uh, the relationships. And it sounds like all of you uh, have said that and believe that. And I, I hope that that is something that, that continues to spread um, it's, it is unavoidable that in, in sports and athletics, there's going to be a lot of competition and that's not a bad thing as long as, you know, we remember that there are human beings involved and we are their mentors and we are supposed to care for them. And if we don't, uh, something's got to change. And it sounds like that has changed a lot and I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it's, it, I think coaching has changed. Teaching has changed. Um, it's, it's a constant, constantly evolving thing and, um, getting those soft skills, I think Dylan said this one before, getting some of those soft skills into the hands of these kids as early as possible and seeing them seeing that from, 
you know, quality people in front of them is, is so critically important. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So last words, anybody want to share anything? Um, I, I want to remind you that this episode, since it's gone so long, such a wonderful conversation, we've broken up into two episodes, so that's good. But anything else you want to finish, anything that I neglected to ask or anything you just want to share with uh, teachers, coaches, anybody who's listening to this because they want to be a more compassionate servant to our students and our children. Anybody want to share anything? Well, I would just say that if you're listening uh, in – the Eagle Nest or Eagle Community Southern Door, just understand that your kids, if they're going to come out for football, they're going to be taught to be disciplined, tough, and compassionate and good kids. And that's really what we're trying to do. Uh, Coach Jonas could speak more to it, but um, that's really a lot of our vision for teaching football to kids. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't have anything to add to that. That's pretty perfect, Z. Yeah, the the only thing that I, I would add is that uh, if the, the kids aren't going to play football beyond high school, uh, they better be uh, prepared uh, for life in, in business and and uh, contributing to society, you know, and that's what we try to do is, is help them along the way there. Dylan, you want to add anything? Uh, I think this summed up really well. Uh, the, I guess the only other thing I could even think to add uh, – would be kind of a, I mean, because it is such a temporary thing, kind of like Mike was just saying, take the time to really get to know your players, your students, whatever it might be. Um, Cause that can mean, I mean, that can mean a lot more to them than you'll probably ever even understand. Um, especially from a coach's standpoint where football is an escape for a lot of kids or any sport might be um, being there and being someone who supports your player or your student that can go a long way. So just keeping that in mind. Yeah. yeah, I think you always have to, and to add to what Dylan just said, I think that was really good is that I had a principal one time that said, you always have to be aware of what you're saying to the kids and how you're, how you're treating them, because you don't know that one second that that's the thing that they're going to remember the most. And if you always keep that in mind, and I mean, obviously, you know, there are people out there that say you have to treat the kids like they're your kids. And, and quite frankly, they are, their, their parents are trusting us to treat their kids the right way. And, and we need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I always say in the show and, and whenever chance, every chance I get all children are our children. So uh, thank you very much, all you guys for, um, for being great mentors. Dylan, thank you so much for sharing your stories and choosing to become a teacher and a coach. Uh, good luck with Welcome. the rest of your time at St. Norbert. And I'm really glad to have you on the show and proud that you'll be entering our profession and being a great coach. And thanks for keeping an open mind. And Coach Z, thank you very much for exploring new ideas and bringing books like The Compassionate, or I'm sorry, The Competitive Buddha and uh, stuff like that into our discussions and to the discussions that you're having with other young coaches. You're building a great foundation for the future. I'm sure you and Dylan will. And uh, thank you for asking so many questions and, and just moving this uh, thing forward. And uh, Mike, thank you so much for sacrificing so much of your time and being the kind of person that would bring uh, players into your home and take care of them. That is such a wonderful sacrifice. Uh, we, all of society and, and all of humanity thanks you for, for being such a, a wonderful person and for caring for so many kids for so long. And Mark, 
Thank you for inspiring other coaches and mentors um, to fulfill this extraordinary uh, responsibility of mentoring young people, uh, especially ones who don't have some solid mentors at home. And thank you for using the word love and promoting the word love and for letting people fail when it counts, because the only way we're going to grow as coaches, teachers, and human beings is if we get a chance to fail when it counts. All four of you, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a wonderful time. Um, I can't thank you enough. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks again, coaches, all of you, for tackling the stereotype that coaches can't act kind as well as be kind. And please remember to tell other coaches and mentors about this episode because it's a really important topic that can change a lot of lives, especially the young men who need to learn how to treat people well and embrace the unavoidable truth that compassion makes us better people. I'm still looking for some wonderful female coaches who might like to be on the show either later this year or at the beginning of next season. Please email me or DM me on Facebook if you're interested or know of any wonderful coaches. And make sure you return next week when we finally get an awesome math teacher onto the show. I know, it's been way too long. Alyssa Miller, another Golden Apple Award winner, has poured her heart and soul into teaching math in ways her students can actually relate to. She takes advantage of social media and dynamic new teaching principles in ways we can all learn from. So make sure you return to hear her story and learn from her wonderful work. Always remember, you are part of the noblest profession, that all children are our children and deserve our intelligent compassion, and that you must take care of yourself in order to take care of others. So please don't sacrifice everything. You need to be happy too. And please spread the word. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast and come back next week. See you then.